0: or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. In today's episode, I speak with Aisha Castillo about the magic of not sitting in a chair amongst other things.
1: It just felt like if I could get people to touch themselves from the inside out and access themselves, then they have the resources, the tools and the situations where I'm not there that they can like still stay connected. So um, it was like a bunch of trying to figure out ways in which I could offer that for folks.
0: Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast. I am your host, Luis Mujica. I was sick and depressed until I discovered that I could make music, and then my whole life transformed because I began learning how to listen more deeply. Listen to life, to the people around me, and to my body. And that's when I realized that the body speaks through sensations, and learning this new language meant relearning my body and mind. I soon healed myself of many chronic conditions and then began teaching others how to do so as well. Holistic Life Navigation combines nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing to help you release stress and trauma just by listening to your own body. This podcast serves as a place to share my experiences as well as the experiences of many others who have healed and are healing through unique, unorthodox, and unusual ways. Your time to learn begins now. This conversation is so gooey. I knew it was going to be. Uh, I had watched a replay of Aisha from um, a session she did with Robin Lansong. Now, if you don't remember, Robin Lansong is the singer, and she, she does a lot of work with trauma and trauma healing and somatic, um, I guess you can call her like a somatic trauma therapist as well, or at least that's how I see her. Um, But she is a very, very gifted person with an incredible story. That's episode 79 with Robin Lansong. I had reached out to Robin to do a collaboration with me later in the year for my membership. And Robin said, oh, I'd love to. I'm going to send you a replay of something I recently did with a colleague and friend, Aisha." So she sends me this replay, and immediately there's a resonance with Aisha. Something in my body just says, like, I know you. And we all know how good that feels when that happens. So I reached out to Aisha. I had no clue we were going to talk about, but um, she settled right in, and we ended up having an incredible conversation about the healing of somatic psychology and our personal experiences that led to practicing somatic psychology and somatic therapy, And, uh, essentially I think of the many things we discussed, I really loved the opening because those of you listening won't see her unless you go onto my YouTube page, but she's standing the whole time and she has her computer faced in this way where she's standing. And that's what actually drew me to her, which you'll hear me say in a few minutes when I go into the actual interview, I was so drawn to the fact that she was standing And something I speak to very often in my courses is when we're doing this work uh, with trauma or with connecting to somebody or any kind of work we do, especially virtually, there's this attunement toward the screen and then everything else is kind of getting lost, right? Like our faces and eyes and brains are really engaged with what we're seeing and hearing and our shoulders down to our feet are kind of just going offline. They're dissociating and even getting numb or activated, right? And I I always have found sitting to be interesting because when we're sitting, we don't have to be embodied, right? When we're in a chair, I should say, we're not really holding ourselves up. The chair is doing that work for us. So it's really easy to just kind of lounge into the chair, lose the body, and then attune to whatever the eyes are taking in. And when that particular information of what we're taking in is dysregulating or activating or triggering, and the body's in a position of stillness, that's how we get re-traumatized. That's how we break our capacity. That's how we get dysregulated and go into trauma responses and even go into freeze and dissociation and numbness. And Aisha took it an extra level. You know, imagine what happens in the body of a therapist when you're sitting still in a chair taking in the trauma history and the trauma responses of your client. And you have been trained to be still. It's blowing my mind because for a while I've had this intuition to remove my office chair and start sitting, laying, standing, walking. And you'll hear me say that I've had the desire for forest therapy for a long time where we meet at a trailhead and we walk the trail and the therapy session is part of the walk. Because then there's this movement and this co regulation with the earth, and these abilities for my body to discharge what the other body is sharing, and vice versa. So, I, I really enjoyed this conversation with Aisha because it starts with that awareness of embodiment as the therapist. And it goes into a beautiful conversation about uh, removing authority from healing, reconnecting with our ancestors by going back to those lands and letting the body show us what it wants. It's a beautiful conversation, and I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy it. So I want to welcome Aisha Castillo to my podcast. Welcome, Aisha.
1: Thank you so much, Luis. I'm honored to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to tell everybody what I just told you. I saw you for the first time uh, on a video that Robin Lansong, who was on a previous episode, shared with me. And I felt in my body, your embodiment of somatic psychology. And I just felt like we would have a really gooey, fun conversation that could be so helpful for people listening. Um, and it could find your work and find you. Uh, so I, I'm just, you know, literally, this is the first time I've ever spoken to you. So I'm excited to, for, <laughs> to say that aloud <laughs> and to also kind of say, you know, how are you feeling right now? What's your body like? What's going on?
1: Yeah. So I, this is such a great edge for me. It's something that I've been practicing for some time, but just getting past like performance pieces and just being in my authentic self, it's like vulnerable, but I trust in my own like body and the strength to support myself. So I I love like this kind of off the cuff riff that, that we're doing. So I'm just grateful for this opportunity and, um, I find myself standing and that is something that usually happens for me when I'm feeling a lot or, um, yeah, just, I'll just say that when I'm feeling a lot, I encourage people to stand with it or walk with it or whatnot, because, um, there's just no need to trap all that energy in a really rigid confined small space such as sitting so yeah so I feel really good in my body right now because I can do things like this I can rock and feel my sway side to side and feel my left and right side and be like oh yes I have a body I'm still alive we are good (laughs)
0: So I'm I'm curious about that. That's funny you said that because I've been really thinking about completely transforming my office so I can just be standing most of the time, you know, or like squatting or kneeling, you know, just kind of like going into different organic postures when I'm with clients or teaching. Is that something you do or are you doing that now just because you're being interviewed and you don't have to hold that kind of space? I'm, I'm curious. Oh
1: no, this, this is me, Luis. Um, Yeah. So when I went to grad school for somatic psychology, of course, we were all trained in a particular way. And it was like, you have an office space, and you both sit down and you face each other. And I kind of knew immediately like, oof, I don't know if this works for me. Um, I'm feeling so much with this human before me. That's like sharing their story and it's getting intense. And it almost just felt like, we were just re-traumatizing each other. And so I would invite people to move with their body and breathe and stay connected. But there was just something about the therapist chair where they would just sit down and it just felt like they just went into story and could check out. And I started to attune to that really quickly and noticed within my body, myself even kind of checking out, And so I moved into a larger studio and I thought, well, I'll push the chairs to the side and like make more space. And it, it was awkward. People were, were still trying to find a way to just like sit. They like didn't know what to do with themselves, like standing. They were like, what are, what are we doing here? And so eventually I took it to my supervisor and I said, look, I think I'm going to completely move my private practice into a dance studio. And he was like, go for it. And to have that support from someone that I like admired and trusted and like who believed in me felt amazing. And it was like, great. So into a dance studio, there are absolutely no chairs. You're welcome to sit on the ground, but even that feels more embodied than Mm -hmm. like in the chair. So I just noticed how transformational the work became because I was then allowed to move in the room with the human that was with me. And so if they were going into story, I could feel in my body where I was starting to tense and be like, could we do a little shakeout right now? Or like, could we like bend our knees and start to feel a little bit more support from the earth? And, and it just, it just took off from there. So that's, that's how I like to practice.
0: Mm, That is so inspiring. I I feel like I've been waiting to meet you because, (laughs) (laughs) because I remember, I remember it was, I think it was three years ago, maybe two years ago. I had this feeling in my body that I I primarily practiced. um, Obviously, you know, before the pandemic, I was in person all the time. I mostly worked with people in my locale. So I wasn't online. I didn't speak to people outside of the area. They just were in the town of Woodstock where I live in New York City, uh, upstate New York rather. And I remember thinking and feeling, I really want to do forest walks. Like I want the therapy session to be like, I meet you at the head of this trail You know, we walk this trail and we talk, we stop, we press on through the trees, we breathe in. And then, when you know, we get around the whole circle of the trail, which is usually like a 35, 40 minute loop when you're walking slow the session kind of like starts to close. And I remember thinking, that's how I want to do therapy. And then the pandemic occurred and everything went virtual. And it it, it just jostled me back into my chair even further. So it's so nice to (laughs) to see you and to be speaking to you. And maybe that's what even called out to me when I saw the video of you, because you were also standing. And it just seemed like, yeah, that as a somatic therapist, like that makes sense to not be seated. I mean I, I, there's so much I want to say to that I would love to can I riff on that this a bit with you <laughs> I think it's a Let's big go. element Let's go. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of the therapist listening they you know, they're going to love this cuz it, it's <laughs> it, it's it's totally breaking all the rules cuz I you know a, a big part of my work is also um not I mean I believe in land decolonizing but body decolonizing and yeah. I I think this is a big part of decolonizing therapy um because there's this hierarchy, you know, of these like still statuesque like figure taking you in and not having a body. And I love this idea of like the equality of like, hey, we're both in the ground or, we can both stand or, we both have needs in the room. Can can you speak to that? Like, where is that for you?
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. I love this so much. Um, yeah, that is that is like where I took it, particularly at um, for Mike. My my dissertation for, for my grad school was about how it felt like we're just re-traumatizing bodies, particularly bodies that have the ancestors of slavery and colonization of this, like holding and constrictive and, um, just that social conditioning of being like small and like in a particular shape all the time. And I like came into my like last Um, presentation with a dance. Like I strolled into the room, danced into the room for myself and it felt like healing, you know, lineages prior and forward. But yeah, I just, I just really feel like the more I give myself permission to show up authentically, the more one people can like connect with me because they're like, Oh, I see you like you're a real human. You're not just this like very like proper or like whatever way that we like see therapists Mm -hmm. as it's like, and then I draw in those humans that are like, I want more from my experience than just like talking about things or just like having someone just like making space for me just listening. And like, I'm just like saying the same thing over again. It feels really good to be able to have exactly what you're saying two human bodies in the room equally meeting up with each other and being like, whoa, well I, you're talking a, really fast right now. I actually need to pause and like, I need to take a step back and like make space and like, and then they're like, oh yeah, that's, that's actually true. Like, let's, let's like open our feet a little bit wider and just like feel more connected and then move from there.
0: Yeah. Oh gosh. I just, it's so, I feel in my core, So many things uncoupling as you say that. (laughs) And I think, you know, life started doing this to me many years ago. I think it was 12 years ago. I had worked in the East Village in New York City as a nutritionist at this uh, one uh, place on First Avenue. And I remember uh, suddenly I got this huge skin rash. And I was the one that was supposed to have like glowing health because you know because people were coming to me and I had this ego around that and then this rash came over me and, and I remember a woman coming in one day who couldn't see very well. She always forgot her glasses. It was like part of her eccentricity. And she would come in, she'd be pawing along the walls and I had to like hold her hand and like we'd laugh and I would show her her supplements. And I remember she was like 20 feet away and she goes, oh my gosh, did you get sunburned? You know, because it was so obvious. I thought, okay, if she's seeing it, <laughs> I can't hide this from anybody. <laughs> and it was this moment of, of being humbled, of, of mm-hmm. being... In a body just like your body, I don't have answers you don't have. I'm not better or worse than you. And it started then uncoupling this idea of authority that I think mm-hmm. gets overcoupled with um, any kind of like guidance or healing work or coaching, whatever we want to call it. Yeah. So when I see you standing, I, it's interesting. I don't see authority as much as I would if you were sitting, which is strange, I guess. Um, you know, maybe other people would see it differently. But I think it's because you're reflecting back to me a liberation, Mm -hmm. right? And your ability to move and feel and be. And there's something so settling about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I just want to thank you for that. It's really special.
1: Thank you so much for naming that. It feels like you're speaking to whenever I see somebody you know, I used to live in San Francisco. So I would just see random people on the side of, of the road just like dancing, like doing their thing, like not caring what anybody thought. And I just just it was just like deep gratitude. Like, <laughs> thank yes. you for showing up in in your body, in your practice, and not being so concerned about like what will people think? Or like, because to me it's inspiring. It's like, yes, yeah, more of that. Please, right. particularly to the part of me that always felt like she was doing something wrong. If she got out of the chair, it was like, you know, since like kindergarten, it's like Mm -hmm. you sit in a chair, you just sit and you listen and you just take in information, you Mm -hmm. regurgitate it back. And it's like, if I get out of the chair, I'm doing something wrong. Like to that part of me that needs to hear like, honey, you're good, like Mm -hmm. be yourself. She's like a creative force. And I just want her to know like she is most welcome Mm. here
0: even as you're saying that again, I, I just want to reflect, it's so great for other therapists and coaches and, and people and practitioners who listen to this to hear this, um, because I talk a lot about fawning, you know, the one of the trauma responses in my work and, and how much fawning can also come in the room, right? When you're a therapist with your, with your client. And when you're talking about, um, how is the therapist we're trained to sit in the seat? I mean, trained since three or four years old really like you said the education system but trained yeah. to have these like dominated uh responses to our bodies and our body's desires to say oh it didn't feel good no keep it like that and as the therapist to be able to be taking in like traumatic information and yeah. not be able to move when it doesn't feel good is traumatizing the therapist body right and then the yeah. clients attuning to your traumatized system it's very interesting <laughs> It's like a a whole bunch eh? of trauma. Exactly,
1: exactly. (laughs) So finally, when one of us feels liberated and like embodied enough to be like, Hey, I'm going to try to do it differently. And then realizing how we're modeling something for Mm. our clients. Mm. It's like, I'm modeling, Hey, if you're in a heated conversation, you're welcome to stand. You're welcome to get up and actually be like, I need to like walk around for a moment. like, I don't have to make direct eye contact with you for you to know that I'm li- like I'm listening. I'm mm. right here with you. I actually sometimes can take in more when I'm not having direct eye contact because sometimes direct eye can't eye contact is overstimulating for me. And and yet we are like programmed to believe like this is this is how we do it. This mm-hmm. is how we relate to each other. And I'm just like there there are other ways, there are other ways. And I just want to share that with people and hope that they find freedom in, in their bodies and how they express themselves and how they take in information. And I hope that only like deepens their relationship to self and other.
0: Hmm. It's such a great reminder to think about the ways we take in information based on our capacity and how eye contact for many of us, I'm, I'm the same can be so activating. And yeah, I'm such a sideways, you know. <laughs> I'm a sideways learner when when I'm like listening to a webinar or a podcast like a training. I do really well when I'm just like taking it in with my whole body, 360, instead of just through my eyes and my face. It's so um, it's so limit limiting for me to learn that way. Whereas it's like osmotic, kind of just goes through my skin. And I just feel like Oh, I'm getting it on a, some cellular level, you know, sideways. So I appreciate, <laughs> exactly. It. I appreciate it. Exactly.
1: Yeah, we like. Yeah, exactly. We like listen. Like I, I have, I have really honed in on the ability to listen with like every cell in my body. Every every cell. Everything. I'm listening to myself. I'm list, I'm like taking in you and and that's a practice. And Mm. I just want to speak to that, how like everything I do is a practice. Like I haven't mastered anything except the understanding that every day I'm just practicing staying connected to my body and to my truth and to my center and to my ancestors. And, Mm. and, and I'm just grateful to everything that I chose. My soul chose all of these very harsh traumatic things and wild things to happen so that I could be here today with this level of clarity about how I want to show up and be of service.
0: Mm, so that, that pulls out the, the wonder in me of how did you get on this path? Like, what's your, what's your story, if you will, or what's your experience that propelled your body to want to understand trauma through the body and so through the, just the mind
1: it always feels like I've had some kind of inner knowing, like I know people, I live in Mount Shasta. So people often speak to this, like awakening that has happened in their part of their life, but I can't help, but feel like I've been awakening since I came out of the womb. Like I was ready because I've always just been a little different. And, um, and for me dancing, I, I was never a professionally trained dancer, which as a child, I frowned myself. Like I frowned on that, like, Oh, I'm less than because I wasn't. But now when I am around other professional dancers, I have so much freedom in my body where they've been trained in a particular way that I'm like, Oh yeah, this is why I chose to have this upbringing of like, I just always have danced to express myself. And I was an only child. So I had a lot of time (laughs) to be with myself, to get to know myself and to be entertainment for myself. And I would like put up my stuffed animals and like do all my moves. And, and looking back on it, I was for sure working through stuff. Like I I had, you know, some trauma growing up and some harsh realities and my little body somehow understood that dancing was a great way to like integrate and process and work things through. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I just thought I was like doing my thing but to me, I I was just so wise at that time. And, and then growing up, I feel like I was kind of disconnected from my body. Like I, I was an athlete. I ran and played sports and did cheerleading. So I had a body, but I don't know how like in relationship to it I was, which is kind of counterintuitive. It's like, if you're doing all these physical things, how could you not actually be connected? But it's possible. It's possible to be very like active and still not fully listen and hear what the body is saying. And so it wasn't till my early 20s that I got my first massage. And it was transformative. That's all I can really say. I don't know if I had really felt my body prior to that. And she was an incredible body worker. And I just knew this is it, like, like my body registered this, this is what we're here for. Mm-hmm. And I ended up graduating um, from undergrad and child development. and And I joined the Peace Corps and went to Africa. And I really feel like I got an opportunity to, well, to meet my ancestors, but to also just feel really rooted, like something happened in which I was like getting untrained and, and really got to connect with like that soulful part of myself. And so when I came back to America after two and a half years, I had grown exponentially and I almost felt like it was too much. Like I didn't know how to relate to friends and family because I was so different. My values were so different. and, And I knew I wanted to go to the into the holistic field um, I had met a woman who just offered beautiful touch to humans and in, in Zambia, that's where I was, who were dealing with HIV AIDS and were being outcasted from their communities. And she would just come visit them and bring them food and like lay hands on them. And I could just feel their bodies soften every time she was mm-hmm. like, place hands on a, on a body that felt ashamed in a body that had felt like there's something wrong with me. Like she came in with pure love. And I knew from that and plus my massage experience, like I was just really curious about healing touch. And so I went into that and loved massage school. I feel like that helped me integrate back into America and did that for like five years at a day spa where it was just kind of like body after body. And I started to realize that there's so much we hold in our bodies. Like I could tell when I was like coming up along somebody's spine, like they were going to have some kind of emotional release. Like it was like building up and then like, they'd be like, Wah! and then, They'd be like, I don't, I don't know what happened. I'm like, it's okay. But I, I I felt (laughs) that I felt that. And I'm glad it, I'm glad it came through, Mm -hmm. but I started to get really curious about the disease that happens when we just like stuff, stuff down stories down and they're not properly integrated and how our bodies are so sweet in that they'll just hold it. They'll just be like, okay, you don't, you don't want to deal with that right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. Until they're like, I can't hold it anymore Mm -hmm. until they're like, Mm -hmm. enough's enough. Um, And a friend of mine told me about the California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco that has an amazing somatic psychology program. And at the time, I didn't know what somatic psychology was. This is like 2010, 11. And But when I went to the fair and they explained to me that you had to have had some relationship to bodies to get into the program, I was like, yes, like Mm -hmm. they were looking for body workers. They were looking for yoga teachers or Tai Chi, like whatever you were doing, you had to have been like, had some relationship to bodies. And so as I went through the program, I started understanding more all of my own stuff. <laughs> like that's really what it was about was these ways in which I had been creating these defense mechanisms and had this armoring on me, and and going through the program was just like a disarmoring, which is quite vulnerable um, to do in a cohort with a bunch mm-hmm. of other people doing the exact same things. So we're all like triggering each other, and it's just mm-hmm. like nonstop. Um but it always felt like this, this is what I came here for. Like, this is what I'm here to do is to find this, like just deeper understanding of the body. And so that's, that's what pretty much got me into where I am now. It was this feeling of like, I I want to work with people relationally. I thought it would incorporate more touch, but that felt a little unsustainable, like sustain. I think that Peace Corps really drained, like drilled sustainability into my brain. And so it just felt like if I could get people to touch themselves from the inside out and access themselves, then they have the resources, the tools and the situations where I'm not there that they can like still stay connected. So mm-hmm. um, it was like a bunch of trying to figure out ways in which I could offer that for folks. And so, yeah.
0: Oh, what a gorgeous journey. Like just I'm going on it in my mind and feeling it. And I love how each thing was unfolding and blossoming the next as it does, yeah. but it's nice to hear right. your unique one. Right. I think the two things that blossomed for me as you're saying it was first, the most recent thing you said, the way you closed that story around helping teach people how to touch themselves from the inside. I really appreciate that. Because I remember when I was starting my practice, I was incorporating some touch, like some table work, just like mm-hmm. intuitive consensual touch. And mm-hmm. I remember um, I remember it wasn't resonating at the time. It might change in the future because of what you just said. Um, I was loving for them to know they could also do that themselves. Like they didn't need me to do that. It was almost okay. like I was becoming overcoupled with the healing, but it wasn't, it was within them. And so when you say to touch yourself from the inside, it's just a great invitation for everyone listening to kind of really feel what that might mean. Like we can go in there and access that internal safety and internal relationship we have to ourselves, even if there's an external issue um, or a a seemingly disconnected place between you and another, there's still that connection to yourself. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, And I, I, I love, I love to know, I love to know your experience of going to the land your ancestors came from, like bodily, uh, what that was like for you.
1: I, mm-hmm. I'm curious
0: what that, if that awakened something obvious, if it was something spiritual, if it was somatic, all of the above. Like oh, I'm curious what that was like for you.
1: Yeah, thank you for asking that, because um, that's such a an experience that's so near and dear to my heart. Um, I was actually thinking about this last night. And what it feels like first that I noticed in my body was just this relaxation, this like softening that happened because I had never in my prior, I went when I was like 25. So in my 25 years, had been around so many people that looked exactly like me. It was like pockets of people here in America, you know, but like mm-hmm. just streams of humans that looked like me or like felt like me, mm. um it just felt like a bath, it just mm. felt like a warm bath in my body of like ah oh, this is this is my home this this is where I belong, so that happened, and I then think that allowed for the expansiveness because there's something that happens when you're just on straight land that seems to go for days. It mm-hmm. seems like the sun is just like out there for days. And, and that also opened me up in a particular way, um, from just like the clampness I felt from just having come, I'm born and raised the Bay area, just a lot of stuff happening mm-hmm. all of the time. And so to be able to step out of that, And then feel what truly matters, which for me was human connection. Like I love humans so deeply. And it's so real in how people, they could be 20 minutes late there, but they're just trying to get to know, they're like, what's, what's going on with your family? How's everybody doing? Like, it's just all about engaging. Cause this moment is the only moment that truly matters. This is the most important moment in one's life is right now. And so it it was that remembering that then was like, oh, this, this is how I want to live my life. And so that's what I think made the like crunchiness of like coming back to America and feeling like, oh, but people don't see it that way. And, um, and actually when I was thinking about moving out of San Francisco and was coming up to Mount Shasta a bunch, I had the same kind of experience. It was that very familiar expansiveness Mm. that happened in my body. And that's how I knew this was where I needed to move. And so I'm, I'm just grateful that I'd had that prior so that my nervous system was like, Yes, this is where we can slow down. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is where we can like fully connect to what matters to me, which is human nature connection. So yeah, that's that's what I got in Africa, and that's what I also get here in Mount Shasta,
0: thankfully. I really appreciate that uh, and appreciate you sharing that. Uh, that's important to me because when I think of the body, I just think of the ancestors because they—it it is the ancestors, right? Right. Um, and I love this uh, reclaiming the indigenous heritage in your bloodline, you know, yeah. through song, through movement, through colors, through sounds, tastes, spices, and through the land itself. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't think of a more amazing... Uh, it's like beyond the word relationship, but I'll just say relationship of the body touching the soil that it grew from. You know, like there's something so magical about that to me. And when you're talking about the space and the expansiveness and the relationship, like that fabric of community that you felt there Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: how people's physical features reflected parts of you back to yourself, I get chills because it's like that level of attunement With the bodies of people, the bodies of land, like the feeling of the landscape, it's so in your body, like your body was born with that knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so to reconnect to that kind of, I imagine, like awakens and reaffirms even things like, oh, Aisha, there was never anything wrong with you. It's just like your body's from here. (laughs) It's like it's from somewhere different. And so I think what I've always loved about ancestral work is that piece of like, oh, I'm not weird. I'm just from somewhere different. Exactly. Right? And there's obviously there's things at play. Like there's obviously like systemic conditioning to create a concept that someone is defunct. And there's still this inherent, even if that didn't exist, like that's an extra pain to, to develop in there's still this very primitive, earthly, somatic, like pagan, beautiful connection that says like, this land's beautiful, but it's not what my body remembers. So (laughs) I I don't know if you want to speak any more to that, but that was just really alive for me when you were talking. Mm,
1: Thank you so much. I, I think my favorite part of my Africa story is that for one in the Peace Corps, you don't get to choose where you go. And they had for a while during my whole interview process and whatnot had told me that I was going to go to Micronesia. So I had been like preparing myself to go to Micronesia and I was like finishing undergrad at the same time. And, and then it was like December, um, of 2000. Gosh, when, when was that? 2004, 2003, um, they reached out and they were like, Oh, plans have changed. You're leaving like a month, like sooner than you thought. And you're going to Africa. And I was like, Oh, whoa. Like I wasn't prepared for this. Wow. Like, okay. And so to like go there and to immediately feel home. And I also had a near death experience there, which felt like a, a wiping clean, mm. um, a, an awakening and, and to feel like later on down the line, just a few years ago to get my, my ancestry, like DNA done and to have it traced back to Zambia was like, mm. Oh, of course, of course <laughs> I was, a, they, my ancestors called me back and they yeah. were like, you will know, you will know where you have come from and that's going to help you like step into the world. So, yeah.
0: Mm, that's so gooey. I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> Just like I feel like I'm biting into caramel. It's just like so yes. <laughs> there's so many like textures, you know, like <laughs> changes and it changes shape. It's gorgeous, it's gorgeous. Um, I'm so curious, like what I see this as kind of like we're having a conversation and learning how to relate to each other through these questions, and people are observing and listening.
1: Yeah.
0: How do you position yourself in the world now as a somatic therapist? Like what kind of work do you do? What, what do you feel really passionate about right now? I'm curious what what's present for you right now, what's moving through?
1: Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. Um. So pretty early on in my therapy career, I had this small voice that was like, I think you only want to work with women. <laughs> and I kind of just like put that aside because of the scarcity mentality and this like also this feeling of like well I should work with everybody um mm -hmm. and just recently I've like made that voice like more heard because I feel like when Mm -hmm. we have those beautiful voices and we don't listen to them they get like quieter and quieter but since I've moved up to Shasta I've really had so many clear downloads of like, I just want to like offer up space. I'm really good at holding space and creating safe containers, particularly for women to like unleash, to like get embodied, to be wild. And so I just started offering up workshops here and it's been amazing. And that's really what has solidified that I love working with women and and helping support women, create a deeper relationship with their bodies. Um, and it's something that I think I can, I can take for granted cause I've been doing it for a while now. And I'm almost like, doesn't everybody know this? Like, <laughs> doesn't everybody know like how to like connect with their hips? And it's like, Oh no, no. <laughs> Oh no. I am often approached by people who are like, I I feel like I don't know my body from like the waist down. Like I Mm -hmm. have this like head and my arms, but like, I just don't, I don't have a relationship to like the lower half of my body. And I'm like, (laughs) let's work with that. Let's work with that. There's such, I feel like a need, particularly now people are getting so curious about somatic psychology, um, which I'm grateful for. It's like another thing about what you were speaking to of. like, I'm just from a different place. Like, I feel like I just, I've been preparing for this for years where people were just like, what's somatic? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It seems weird. And then now to this point where it's like, people are like actively seeking out somatic psychology. Cause they're like, Oh, it's different. It's different than traditional talk therapy. Like I'm learning different skills that are helping me feel more embodied. So, um, my preference is, is to see people in person, but I still have clients from the Bay area and other parts where we, we work on zoom and, and yeah, my clientele right now is focusing on my work with women. So that feels like I'm really honoring that part of me that has known that I've wanted to do that. And, and I'm like embracing it and like, let's take off with that. So
0: I love that. And I, two things I love about that is people who have, um, gifts of creating safety, uh, think they must indiscriminately create that safety. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like they think that they think they're not allowed to have preference or like, right. or like capacity right. or desire, like, you know, I'm here to serve regardless. So mm-hmm. I love that you're, you know, modeling, you're allowed to choose what feels best for your body and mm-hmm. your mind.
1: Right.
0: And, I, and you don't even have to have a reason, you know, like the feeling is valid enough for me. Is there mm-hmm. anything behind it you want to share of what led you to that, like what you noticed in yourself, or if it's just purely a sensation?
1: Well, it almost just feels like because as a woman growing up and as a girl constantly being told, like, close your legs and like, you can't dress like that. And like, it just felt like I was just always being told there was something wrong with me in my, in my woman body and my girl body. And so, um, I think I knew as I started to go into more holistic, practices that I just really wanted women to know that their bodies are beautiful, no matter what they looked like, uh, their bodies are allowed to be as open and big as they would like them to be. Like, I remember there being that whole thing about like mansplaining where guys would like sit on trains and just like open their legs really wide. And I'm like, why are we so upset? Why don't we just like do the same thing? Like, why are we not just sitting there like, totally. legs fully spread? like who cares? Like <laughs> I'm not going to be pissed at him. I'm just going to be like, Oh, thanks. Me too. Like, right, right? Also open <laughs> up my that. legs really big and take up a lot of space too. Cause I can. And I think that's just something that hasn't been taught a lot. And so it just really feels like, um, that's, that's the way I want to go is just to help women honor their bodies and express them in whatever way feels good. And, and to take up as much space as possible, and in my practice, my private practice, I've mostly attracted women, um, and so that just feels like a natural. Like, oh well, if I've been working mostly with women and it's gone really well, then why am I not just honoring that and just being like, actually, this is this is going to be my work from here on out, or for however mm-hmm. long, you know, who knows?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, but right now, that's yeah. present for you. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly.
0: I can really connect with you. Um, For the longest time, I had like one foot in the conditional nutrition world, which was, you know, people coming in about symptoms or weight loss or whatever they desired. And I was supposed to help them achieve that. And then my other foot was in like trauma recovery. And I Mm -hmm. remember thinking the same thing. If I come out of the closet (laughs) as a trauma (laughs) therapist, like I'm going to lose people. Like I'm not going to, there's not going to be any interest. And at the time, trauma was not the zeitgeist. You know, it wasn't it wasn't. And I'm so glad that it is that that we're actually really um, it's becoming like a household term. So (laughs) because again, going back to indigenous cultures, everyone I've ever studied always has some name for it and always Mm -hmm. has some like daily practice to respect it and honor that is there and move it through. And that's what a lot of post-colonial countries, and specifically America, because I live here, uh, we have had that disconnection from the body experience of trauma and things that shamans would call soul loss and such. And I find it so, I'm so glad that we're using our vocabulary to make sense. And I see somatic psychology, I was trained in somatic experiencing to be this incredible bridge between these really ancient technologies that we've always had and these more like modern science-based ones that people need to feel like they can believe in it if that's what it takes. Right. But it's this right. bridge that brings them back to their ancient bodies essentially, right? Right. Yes. And so I, when I came out of the closet as a trauma therapist, it was <laughs> like the best thing I ever did. So I, right. I salute you. I applaud you for Thank you.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's like what I encourage for all of us. It's just that like, whatever it is that we're like holding ourselves back from what, for whatever like reason, whatever fears we have around it. Like, yeah. let's just, let's just support each other. Let's go. Like let's I wholeheartedly <laughs> support people in like taking the leap, take yeah. the leap, trust that spirit will catch you.
0: Yeah. yeah that's so gorgeous. <laughs> my final, my final question for anyone listening is how, mm-hmm. how can someone, if you're listening to this and they really resonate with you, do you take people like nationally? Is it locally? How do you work with people if they're listening, they want to get in touch?
1: Yeah. So people can access me through my website and I have a scheduling system through that. And I'm open to people worldwide, international. Um, and yeah, I'm working with women right now and helping women connect deeper to their bodies and working through trauma. I feel like a lot of us, particularly women experienced trauma really early on and then didn't have the like resources and whatnot to like, work with it. So it's kind of just been holding, we've just been holding it for a really long time. And, and I find that people really earlier now, like in their twenties are starting to like, be like, Hey, I'm like doing this thing that doesn't feel good. Or like, it's really beautiful how quickly people are coming online. And, um, so just really wanting to be there with people. And I'm, I'm a really beautiful witness and guide. So, that's that's my offering and it's a it's always a co-creation like i i never know what's going to happen in in the space and um but i but i will hold the container because it's sacred to me for sure for sure and i like i like to speak this because this was also coming out of the closet for me was when i was deciding to move into a dance studio for my practice i also had the hit that i I had been doing my 3000 hours to get licensed and like, you know, I'd worked with couples and kids and all of the things and and then it just felt like it felt incongruent to my beliefs to get licensed, like something mm. about seeing mm. people through a particular lens. And I took that to my supervisor to really like, oh gosh, what's he going to say? I've been like for 3 years doing this and and he was like, "Aisha, I get it." Like I trust you. I think you could work the way you wanted to work and get licensed. But if you feel like getting licensed, is going to inhibit you from showing up in the way that you want to show up. Then you, you go the other route. Like everyone else is going this route. You, you go the other route. And I trust that that'll work for you. And I, and I've really enjoyed just owning that because it, it helps. I've gotten so many people who have gone through my program at the school, reach out to me and be like, wait, that's that's possible. Cause they don't talk about that with <laughs> yeah. us. They tell us we all have to do it a particular way and you can do it different. And, and I think people like that. I, I don't take a bunch of notes that I'm not like sending notes off to any like board or anything. Yeah. And I'm not like, I'm not looking at you in a particular lens. Like there's something wrong with you. Cause I just don't believe that. I just don't believe that. So if that resonates with anybody, <sighs>
0: Come on in. Ooh, that resonates with me. And <laughs> so much of what you said today, it's amazing because I felt it in my body when I saw you on that replay. And I did, I was seeing myself being reflected, I didn't know why, but I, I could feel that that sense of, oh, there's something familiar here. And I had the exact same journey. Just what you just said, I chose not to get licensed. I chose to actually discontinue um, my yeah. formal education for that reason yeah. Because I I felt so inhibited by um, a bureaucracy that would right. make me report certain things or would have me see someone, like you just said, through a certain lens. And it's no shame to anyone listening who like is licensed and loves that. Some people are really good at it. It was not for me. Right. Um, right. And I and I've had incredible, transformative experiences with people because I wasn't licensed. Um, they trusted me in a way they couldn't trust other people, and so I, I love hearing that. That's very <laughs> exciting. No, yay. Like, it, it's like it feels so yay good. For us. Yeah, yay, yeah. For us. yay for us! Yeah, yeah, yay for us! <laughs> so I, I just want to thank you for for being you, and mm-hmm. that being you shown something into me, and I felt the urge to reach out, and you were kind enough to accept, and now you're sharing yourself with us, and. Um, you're going to really touch a lot of people with this interview. And I appreciate it, Aisha.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Louise, for this beautiful opportunity. It's been just so natural. I always appreciate when these, you know, collisions of humans <laughs> come together and then just feels so natural um, to have these kinds of conversations. It just feels like you're my people. So, yay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend.
0: For more information on Aisha and to work with Aisha, you can go to aishacastillo.com. That's A-I-Y-I-S-H-A-C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O dot Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My question for you is, where do you feel the episode? Take a breath and just notice. What's your body doing right now? Sit with it. Let it speak to you, and let whatever comes up, come up. And your only job is to listen, for all the wisdom you need is right inside of you. To learn more about my work, you can visit holisticlifenavigation.com and sign up for my mailing list. You'll receive a weekly newsletter with specific monthly topics, free resources, and upcoming events. You can also follow me on Instagram, If you like my podcast, please leave a review and share. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: I'll see you next time.
0: Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give into mindlessly. But... When you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on Events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.